Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald. Creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Kingsley rolls to the boys, back to Kingsley. Carlson towards no, the lovely no, effort. No, 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 Kingsley magic! Hello, you're listening to Scarves <laughs> Around the Funnel, a podcast <laughs> about Heart of Midlothian. <laughs> <laughs> football club. <laughs> I am Laurie Dunsire, trying to find another way of opening the podcast because just moments before starting recording, I was getting slagged for just saying the same thing every time. So um, I almost got there, and then I couldn't think of another word for dedicated to um, <laughs> to throw into the mix. I am joined. <laughs> um, I should have thought that if you give me longer, I could have thought of some more words. Got the, the thesaurus out. How are you doing, Mark Donaldson? Hi. Hi, that's a better intro than A, normal, and B, you're one a couple of weeks ago. Hello. Reverend <laughs> I.M. Jolly from Scotch and Rye, who used to do Last Call for the younger ones among you that your mother or father... Like six games in a row or something. Was that not the one after we'd won 6-1? Or, you know, no, you're a wee bit chirpy. No, of course not. Well, after that intro today... Anyway, enough about that nonsense. Enough about me. We've got him back. He's back. He's my <laughs> hero, and he's back. Oh, <laughs> Ryan McGowan. Hello, Ryan McGowan. Good evening, fellas. How are we? So good to be back. Glad to be you, back. Yeah, I noticed how you managed to sneak back in on the podcast after a, a win against Hearts, <laughs> even though Castle. <laughs> no one in the central belt even. Knows, knows about this playing. because it's not been reported anywhere. It was a big win for us. Big win for us. Did you get man of the match? <laughs> I gave it to myself. Yep. Do you got a ball of Kiora? <laughs> what would you give rate. yourself in the um the, the daily record ratings? Yeah. Uh just a six. A six? Oh. Oh, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Just a solid six, didn't do anything great, didn't do anything bad. Six is never really seven was solid. And the man marks... Is it seven? Uh, well, well seven. Not, do you not do you start think? on a six, though? Like, six you is start, like... Yeah, if, if you tie your shoelaces and you're there at the start of the game when the referee blows his whistle, that's a six. You can go up or down from a six. But you can't uh-huh. give yourself a six if you're giving yourself man of the match. You've got to give yourself a seven or a seven and a half. Uh, I wasn't man of the match. I only played 45. Okay, but seven. Man of the maybe, half. Yeah, maybe a seven. It was a pretty good game, actually. Six and a half. And the first half was probably pretty good. No, as I said before, then there's with most of these sort of bounce games, friendly games, the second half turns into a little bit of uh, lots of subs. You know, both teams pretty much change everybody and a few young kids, and it comes a little bit of a kind of basketball game. But 
um, yeah, first first half was a was a good hit out for sort of both sides, which was good. I think which was what both clubs sort of organised that game for. Yeah, well, what we'll do, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on the game um, because obviously there's been uh, not just me joking about it. There's been pretty much no coverage at all um, in terms of Hearts reporting. Uh, there was an article covering from the St Johnston side of things, but um, really not much Hearts coverage at all of the game. Don't know if that's just because he got beat, uh, but, but we will have a, a chat about some of your insights you've got from the game. We're going to talk about Hearts against Celtic, of course, and we'll check in how Ryan's feeling ahead of the big run in, in the bottom six as well. Game up against Dundee United this weekend. Is that live and- sky? <laughs> oh, no, no, is it? Good luck with getting a game live on TV from your bottom six. And oh, I may have I may have started a quiz. I think I've got six questions. I was planning on doing a bit more, but um the baby was crying, so I didn't get any further than that. But I have some quiz questions. And we'll and we'll we'll see how we get with that. Anyway, let's get going. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. See, now, Ryan, he's gone back. He's gone back into his normal mode. Ryan. I, mean, well, I have to read that same. bit out. That's what I do. No, but it was the same tone every week. You try. You, you change. You change the up do it like the seductively. Go on then. Heart, Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn. And McDonald Signs. We've been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Right, they're an Edinburgh company. Why did you do it in, a, in an American accent? Oh, I don't know. You can have no, Scottish I've... people that are seductive as well. That's harder to be seductive in Scottish. Come on. How? All right. How? <laughs> All right, dog. <laughs> See, it's easy. And I live in America. Come on now. Right. Thrown I, Gowser, we've thrown him. He's, he's I, discombobulated. It's miles off it, isn't he? Miles right. off it. He's, a, he's not even a five out of ten. <laughs> That's harsh. Pick, pick it up, Dunsack. Come on, son. Right, okay. We don't have a competitive hearts game to discuss, but we do have a non-competitive hearts <gasps> game to discuss because during the free weekend for Hearts and St. Johnson, the two clubs met at Tynecastle on Friday in a behind-closed-doors friendly game just to keep both sets of players ticking over ahead of the respective top and bottom six games to come. Now, as I mentioned, there's not been an awful lot of coverage of this, but we have someone who was on the front line playing in the game. Uh, Obviously, we're going to want to get your thoughts, Ryan, on hearts on the whole. Um, Now, you messaged us very kindly afterwards and gave us the hearts team... Uh, which you put down, you, you sent it to us in a four four two. Was that yeah. about right? Or... Yeah. I'm now stressing a little bit that I'll get in trouble for reporting back. But yeah, Hearts lined up in a sort of similar to Ross County style system. Um, like a kind of four or four two, but they were very fluid and similar to Ross County game, I guess, in terms of like their rotations and where players were playing and their movement, which was... Um, yeah, it was it was a good hit out from a from our point of view as St Johnson to play against you know that kind of style and formation and how they were trying to play and um, yeah I think looking at it from a Hearts perspective it was probably a good hit out for sort of some of their fringe players that 
you know, got to see, Naismith got to see him in a sort of game situation and how they adapted to what he's asking of them. Okay, well, we, we won't get to give away too much big details about heart set, <laughs> how heart set up then, but a couple of things that I noticed when you sent through, a couple of players that we've not seen an awful lot of, um, mm-hmm. Macaulay, Macaulay Tate, you said, started in the centre of midfield, yeah. and Finlay yeah. Pollock playing a little bit further forward, I think. Yeah, he was a bit further forward. I think he 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 went off injured, so I think he, I wasn't sure. I'd seen an article recently saying he's been struggling a little bit with injury, so he had gone off early. But um, young McCall, I remember him from if you remember when I was training with the with John yeah. Rankin and the sort yeah, of youth COVID team, time, wasn't it? Yeah, so he's a trying to think of a player that he would be similar to, almost like a Jason Holt type player. Remember when Jason came through? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. small in stature, quite busy around in the sort of centre midfield, comfortable and getting on the ball. Sort of like all of the young players that are coming through that have been in sort of the, you know the soccer schools and um, just very comfortable on the ball, picks a pass, um, can get around the pitch. Like an Aaron somebody... Uh No, nah, no, not like that. Like not a... as advanced. Um, not as advanced, yeah. He's he's probably more of a. I think of a Hearts player that's like that. He was just you know getting it off the centre backs, getting it off the full backs, always an option. Um, that link like player a, like between a, getting like it to one side Peter to the other. Then. Yeah, yeah, very similar. I think they were, they were both playing together, um, and I thought they sort of complemented each other quite well. Um, yeah, just tidy on the ball, doesn't do anything that you're like, oh wow, but. At the same time, when you're playing against them, you're just like very rarely does he give the ball away and he always seems to be in sort of the right position. And I think if Hearts are wanting to play the way that, you know, Naismith has them set out to and, and how they played against Ross County, you need your, your central midfielders to be comfortable on the ball and, and able to pick a pass. And um, yeah, you, you could tell that he had worked under Naismith. Um, with the B team. You know, with he's the, the B team. He's the captain yeah. of the B team. Yeah. I think he 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 won um the young or yep. B team player of the year. Is that right? He did. He won B team player of the year. Yeah, he's player hearts have just tied down a two year deal. Yeah, um, you can you can see why he's definitely got a little bit of something about him, and, and similar to Finley. Um, you know, I think if I remember correctly, Robbie was sort of they're properly looking to get him out on loan for this kind of six months, but I think a few injuries have sort of um, knocked that in its head, but. You know, similar to young Connor Smith, who's at Hamilton and scored, what's his, I think he scored five or six goals since he's went in January. They're probably players that, you know, come pre-season next year, will be looking to try and stake a claim and, and get some more minutes um, for next season. Yeah, some um, some big deals recently, uh, Mark, mm. in terms of the younger players. Uh, yeah. You know, Macaulay Tate signed up and James Wilson uh, signed mm-hmm. up. That was just that's confirmed a, a few days ago. And that's a really big one because he had a lot of English clubs um, yep. sniffing about him uh, to your contract with the option of a further year it's it certainly got to be something on the agenda doesn't it for for Joe Savage and for well, whoever is going to be the head coach long term because we spoke to Robbie a few times about it and you know some people will maybe point the finger at him some people point the finger at Joe Savage some people point the finger at um, coaches at youth level etc but w- whatever um, fault may lie. Certainly, one big criticism of Hearts over the last few years has been the lack of younger players getting an opportunity. Ultimately, it's how we and others make their money. 
there's been talk a couple of players like Aberdeen might be on their way. Um, and they've made some. And, uh, I mean, we've seen that with you know both Aberdeen and Hibs have made exactly some really good um, amounts of money from from young players coming through and selling them on. Yeah, but there's got to be a platform, hasn't there? I mean, Ryan's trained with the youngsters. Ryan was uh, part of the Hearts youth team and, and did so well to to come through. Dylan came through as well. His his brother. You could be the best available, but if you if your face doesn't fit. Um, you're going to struggle to get game time. So there's got to be a platform at Hearts for the likes of of um, Macaulay, for Bobby McClucky, who also signed a new deal, for James, who signed a new deal as well. But it must be a difficult one, Ryan, for a, for a manager, because different managers have different pressures on them. And maybe this is not a bad stage of the season for some managers, because if there's not too much to play for, then you can give... Youngsters, and I'm not talking about 20, 21-year-olds, because they should have already made an impact. I'm talking about 17, 18-year-olds. But I don't think you'll see that just happen just yet with, with Naismith, given the, the magnitude of the games that the Hearts are going to face. But maybe in pre-season, that might be some of the time when uh, when we see some of these youngsters try and make a name for themselves to get into the first-team squad. Yeah, yeah, and, and I guess I remember being obviously a youngster and, and you're wanting just to... You feel like you're ready you have no idea if you are and and i think that's the that's the thing that the the managers face as well they that you know you can see it now that i'm a bit older you can see it from their side because it, it can make or break you if if you aren't ready and you go out there and you know football fans are very quick to judge and you know what's the old saying you don't get um two chances at a first impression you know if you get chucked in there and you're not ready people rightly or wrongly will write you off straight away mm-hmm. And and that can be your confidence can again get knocked and it can actually set you back a lot longer than you know if they do chuck you in and, and then there's also boys that get chucked in and they do really well and then take the foot off the gas and don't progress as much as you know the club or the manager or even the player wants to do as well. There's been loads of players like that. Harry Cochran springs to mind off straight off the yeah. bat in terms of you know get chucked in really really well. Everyone's thinking, oh wow, this is the next big one that's away and, and it just, you know, things don't fall into place. They pick up little injuries. So it is a, it's a bit of a balancing act and um, it, it does, ultimately it comes down to the, the player and the individual, you know, how much they can, if they have the right people around them, making sure that they're switched on, you know, that if they do get taken out of the team, they're not thinking, oh my God, that's me dropped and I'm never going to play again. Sometimes it's, you know, the bigger picture is, you know, you've done well for a couple of games. We'll bring you out. You, you still got this, this, and this to work on. And you know, if we can see that you're continually doing it at training, and you know, I always go back to sort of the training weeks. As a kid, you don't take that into consideration as of how important that actually is. You know, you might train well for a week, and then you're like, "What? What's the point in this? Because I'm not playing." You know, as you get older, you just realise that you know you you'll be very lucky if you play every game of every season you know injuries Mm. um, loss of form change of managers all of these things come in and and the reason that you know you a professional stays a professional for so long is is that exactly that you know monday to friday they do everything right because they know that when they do get their chance um you know you you need to be able to take it or, or be as ready as possible you know there's nothing worse than if you've just been slack ass at training for the last four or five weeks get chucked in and then you don't play well and you know i've seen it with loads of players they start playing oh well i've not played that much and 
manages the dick and this, this and this, they blame everybody else instead of actually looking yeah. at themselves and thinking, yeah, well, do you know what? I've actually let that opportunity slip me past because I've not been doing the, you know, the proper work Monday to Friday. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes managers want to see that over a consistent period of time. Remember Jim Jeffrey saying that, you know, you've trained really well last three weeks, keep it up. Remember thinking, bloody hell, how, how well do I need to be training before I get chucked in? But he was more of a case of, yeah, you are doing well, but that's the standard that I need you at, for, you know, the whole season. You can't just have three yeah. weeks good training and then have two weeks where you look like you're off it. You need to have that sort of seven, eight weeks and, and have almost your teammates being like, he's ready. You know, mm -hmm. you, you get that confidence and people sometimes forget that when you go into a different changing room, your own confidence, you need to work out sort of where you are in the pecking order amongst your peers. You know, you, you got to believe you belong as well. Yeah. You want your peers to be like, Fuck, you know, oh, if he's starting, you're not like, oh, is he ready? I don't know. Yeah. You, be a bit nervous for him. You want to be like, yeah, he's actually done well. He deserves this chance. He, you know, we want him to do well. So I think some of those younger players bounce games like on Friday and, and things like that. It's a good opportunity for those players to see, you know, the senior players to see the young players come in and, and how they handle certain situations. Um, you know, even St. Jonathan, there's a few of our younger boys that, you know, we got to say to them after the game, like, you know, that's not Hearts' strongest team, but it shows you exactly where you need to be if you want to perform for us. Um, and if you want to make it um, an impact, you know, between now and the end of the season or, looking forward to next season is, you know, there's a little eye opener of, of what you need to work on. If you, you know, I, I think physicality, like a lot of the, the younger boys are quite physically strong in their own age groups. And then they come up against, you know, say hearts boys against us, they come up against Considine or myself or big fear, but you, you know, they come up against seasoned professionals at this level. And then all of a sudden they might be a bit like, Oh yeah, I'm actually, a couple of yards short of pace or I do need to work on my upper body to you know, be able to hold off those types of players. And um, yeah, you know, I think a lot of our younger boys got a little bit of a, a rude awakening of sort of the sheer size of some of the hearts players. It's like applying for a job or oh, we're not going to give you this job because you need experience. Well, how the heck am I going to get experience if you don't give me an opportunity, whether it's in a job or, or whatever, this is a lot to do with circumstance as well. If I said to you the name Lamine Yamal, would that mean anything to either of you? Don't think so, no. right? No. So at the weekend, L Lamine Yamal, who's 15 years old, made his debut for Barcelona, right? Became the youngest player and whatever. Would he have got that opportunity if they didn't have an 11 point lead at the top? If it was them and Real Madrid battling week in week out, um, just a couple of points separating them, um, firing line. No, of course he wouldn't. So it's circumstance. So it's you're right. It's it's about being there and being ready to to kind of take that opportunity now there's a lot of reasons why he was in the squad and whether it was publicity i think one of the main reasons was they're trying to get a long-term contract with him and they're trying to showcase him look you could be a part of this but you just for, for all the kids at heart it's a it's a it's a clean slate now and i, I think the key thing now between where we are and the end of the season is the man who's taken over on an interim basis, is a man who knows the B team inside out. So is it any coincidence? We're seeing um, the three players mentioned by Laurie getting new contracts as well. This is a huge opportunity for them. Now, who knows who's going to come in, if it's Chris Wilder or whoever. 
who's going to come in next season. If you've done enough in this short space of time to maybe get yourself signed up for a two- or a three-year deal, and you've got this opportunity to, to perhaps play for Hearts, and it's a lot easier than it might have been previously, you've got to take that opportunity right now. So were there any other youngsters that you saw on, on Friday, Ryan, that you thought, oh, I didn't know about them, or oh, they did well from the bounce game? Um, I think I'm sort of... Dip- like I said earlier, I sort of trained with the sort of the majority of the ones that are now starting to kind of flutter their way through. Um, oh, forgot his name. Andy Kirk's boy. What's his name? Mackenzie. Mackenzie Kirk. That's it. Um, he came on. He's he's rough around the edges, but he does have something. He, he scored a late consolation, I may add. <laughs> uh, he scored late on, but he looked quite busy. Um, ran the channels quite well, but again, you know, it was probably he was up against. We had um, Liam Gordon, so a club captain and a, a younger boy that was at centre back, but he was sort of up against Liam, so he I wouldn't say struggled with the physicality of it, but you know, there was a few times the ball came up and he didn't hold it up. He sort of got brushed to the side, and you know, that's something that probably at you know, under 19s and reserve level, he'd be able to hold it up and he would feel in his head his hold-up play is quite good. That's I mean, great... he's got, to be fair, he has got 17 goals in the Lowland League. So I know that's, like, don't get me wrong, I know it's non-league, but it is, you know, it's games you can against tell he's got, men. You, you can tell strikers when they've got that little, they've just got something that's, you can just see it, can't you? I think everyone can kind of see it when a a striker is just a good striker and um yeah he there's a few crosses that you know he was just like a couple of inches away that got slid through and i always like it when the striker he, he maybe doesn't get a end of it but it's much better than he's at the top of the box waiting for the cutback you know or he's out wide you know, yeah. i just felt that like he knows how to score goals and and he's scored a lot of goals at youth level and it's whether they can then carry that on once they get but yeah he's he scored quite good sort of striker's goal um you know the ball whipped across the box and a, a decent enough finish probably just outside the 6 yard box so he scored and I'm trying to remember who scored the first goal i think it was hill hill scored hill. yeah they took a short corner to that McCauley at the edge of the box and he sort of shot come across to the back post and, and Hill sort of nodded it in. So, um, yeah, so young McCauley Where do you think um, Kirk scored, which was you know, good for those two. So, uh, looking at the way that, obviously, Naismith played uh, against Ross County with that kind of a 4-2-3-1, um, uh, where would you see likes of, so if McCauley take got thrown in you know hearts had to call on him in in a game in the kind of current system where where do you think he would play because i know he's played central midfield or sometimes to the left i believe he'd probably uh, one of the, the midfielders team. he'd be one of this the sort of sitting 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 yeah. or pushed probably forward a little bit more uh possibly for a, a first team game between now and the end of the season you might get pushed forward slightly more purely because the physicality of it and he wouldn't have to, you know, sort of defend or, yeah, have that sort of dictatorship. But it could be one of those ones that with the ball, he drops a bit deeper to get on it and then, you know, out of possession, he he can move up a little bit 
and, and put pressure on because he does have a good little engine and, and can get about the pitch. So, um, but I would imagine he would play in one of those sort of midfield three role um, purely because a lot of the stuff that Naismith was kind of shouting from the sidelines, he was in those positions because like that he had been training and playing under Naismith all season. So he he understood where he had to be and, and that formation. And I touched on it before, Atkinson was right back and you know he looked like he had a little bit of a new lease of life because um, it's probably similar to how he played when he was at Melbourne City in terms of, you know, when Hearts had the ball, he was very, very high up the pitch, you know, either on the on the touchline or coming inside into sort of that inverted fullback region. So he was another one that, you know, caused us a couple of problems because he just knows where that space is and, and it was more up to the, you know, the Hearts midfielders to recognise where he is and, and try and get him on the ball as much as possible. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Mark, um, I mean, you know, Ryan touched on Mackenzie Kirk, who has made his first team debut last season mm-hmm. uh, away to Ross County very briefly, and he was on the bench for the derby after that as well. So he's 19 now. Um, mm. you, you're kind of getting into the territory of is he going to get a chance? Um, I, I mean, a lot of goals. I know it's again, you know, it's a lower level, but um, you know, he's pushing twenty goals playing for the B team. Um, someone that you know we've seen maybe when Josh Ginelli has been out, sometimes Hearts have struggled with options in attack in terms of actual forward areas. It, do you think sometimes it's a case of, I know right now is maybe not the best example, the last five games, you know, Stephen Naismith, it's an audition maybe in some ways for him for the job, a lot of pressure trying to potentially still try and claw back third or at least make sure you get fourth. Uh, but sometimes it's a case of you've just got to chuck these players in for a little bit longer, give them a chance. You need a bit of luck as well. Remember, Marcus Rashford was given his debut from Manchester United when he wasn't even in the in the the stripped the squad that was stripped. He was in the match day squad but it wasn't stripped. Um got the call with someone pulled up in the warm-up, uh took his chance and never looked back. I'm not comparing any of our players with Marcus Rashford. I'm just saying you need a, a bit of good fortune. Look at guys that we've had and, and I'm racking my brains to try and think of the last young striker that came through the ranks. I'm I'm might be missing someone glaringly obvious. But I'm looking at guys like Gary Oliver, who's still playing and, and hasn't made it at the top level, but is still making a living from football. Callum Morrison at Falkirk, maybe not so much a striker, maybe a um, a, a kind of forward. But again, he's he's kind of maybe found his level, even going back to Jamie Mole, Callum Elliott, guys like that. They're probably more Gary Glenn's. Gary Glenn's another. Gary Glenn's another. Um, so who was the last one? Is there someone glaringly obvious that I'm missing? Or who was the last hard striker that's yeah that came through done well? Made us, mean, yeah, done well, made us money, scored loads of goals for us. It's yeah, a while. I've always kind of found it. Well, it's just one of those things that Hibs seems to always yeah, kind of have the attacking striker, yeah. young players that come through hearts, and hearts, hearts always kind of always midfield defenders. slash defenders. That's yeah, true. that's true. It's just strange. It's that that's kind of even from when I was a younger boy, coming through, it was kind of like. 
at one point there was just a lot of sort of midfielders and defenders that were playing and then you looked at Hibs and they kind of had strikers. You know, when was the last sort of Hibs defender? Probably Porteous, I guess. But before that, there's probably not really been anyone that's come through and I know we, we had that Jason Cummings coming through, but then he went to Hibs because yeah. <laughs> of his injury. Um, remember, that, remember that, Peter, I told you about following striker Ryan and the Jamble. Ryan Davidson, wasn't it? Yeah, Ryan Davidson. I, I can't remember. I think it was with Dougie Dalgleish, former Hearts PR guy. Um, and I don't Jamie know if Walker. it was... Well, Jamie, we'll, we'll get to Jamie in a minute, but th- this was with, with Ryan Davidson. I remember sitting with either Dougie or, or calling Dougie, and we were looking for one player from the reserves that we thought has got a right chance of maybe making it in the game, have a good, good season for the reserves. So we followed him for a season. And it, Ryan's... I still keep in touch with Ryan. He's now in Australia. And not involved in football anymore, as far as playing or anything is concerned. But he, he's another one. I, I was at Rickerton way, way back and spoke to John Murray. And this was when Jamie Walker was 16, 17. I always like to, to, to speak to John and ask him back in the day, have you got anybody coming through? And I remember he told me about Christoph Berra before he came through. And he, he said, the next thing, next guy we've got real hope for, next kid, is Jamie Walker. Now, did Jamie achieve in football what his talent should have let him achieve in football? Did he overachieve, underachieve? What do you think about Jamie Walker? Uh, I'll, I'll go. I think if you look at his what he's achieved overall, you could possibly say he's... He's done unbelievable. I think he's what he's scored fifty plus goals for Hearts. Yeah, more than fifty right? goals for Hearts. Yeah, you know, for mm-hmm. somebody that's not an out and out striker, his boyhood club probably played over a hundred, hundred and fifty games for him. That's like wow when you put it like that. But then when you see him as a kid, and like I remember how raw he was when he first came in, and similar to like I'd heard about him and he came and trained a couple of times and I was just kind of like breaking into the first team. We used to watch Dylan was still playing. You could just see like right foot, left foot shooting drills. It was just bang top corner and had that little bit of arrogance about him. Reminded me a little bit of Gary Glenn, but just a little bit more polished at the same ages. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, yeah, wow, this kid could, you know, he could proper go on and reach like high, you know, Premier League levels type, thing but you know what people forget about is he had some real nasty injuries at sort of crucial times or ages of his career that you know kept him out of football for a long time and and he quite i wouldn't say he struggled with it because i don't know the ins and outs of it and and how it all worked because i'd gone by that time but you could just tell that like there was a lot of times he was playing and he was maybe playing you know, with an injection or, or not playing at a hundred percent, and people kind of sometimes forget that. But you know, injuries can really set back players. Of course, you know more so when you're when you're older. But sometimes it's it's even worse when you're younger. Christoph springs to mind. Remember when he got his hamstring injury? Yeah, he never kind yeah. of he, he didn't really yeah. recover from that. But you often wonder, like, would he have recovered when he was twenty one or twenty two? Like the, the severity of that injury was huge. If that happened to him when he was twenty one or twenty two, he he might have never, you know, come back from it. It's just because he obviously had it towards his tail end of his career. 
that everyone was kind of like, oh, that's him done, finished. But, you know, some boys get nasty injuries when they're kids or when they're 20, 21, and their body just can't catch up and it can't adapt yeah. to, to what's happened. And um, I think maybe that's happened a little bit to Jamie, but I think if you look at his sort of heart's career, if you could if you could say one of these, Mackenzie Kirk, for example, is going to go and score 50-plus goals and win things with hearts and albeit the championship and gone to play 150 games, you think, yeah, wow, he's, he's done pretty well for himself. So, um, yeah, Jamie's a tricky one. He's still in his 20s. Um, you know, he's, he doesn't turn 30 till the summer. And Is he still at Bradford? Bradford, yeah. he's doing yeah. pretty well at Bradford. Doing Bradford they, are yeah, the, he's doing well. they are in the playoff positions League at the two, moment. League 2, isn't it? League yeah. 2, so he could help them. I know he's... I, I've, he's better than see, that, though. I I think it's I think it's tricky because it depends on the expectations. I know I know, I know, you, I know, I know what you're saying. You're thinking, can he go on and be the next you know, John Robertson or something, or, or, or you know, and go to those levels? But you know, he's someone who played almost 250 games for Hearts. He got over 50 mm. goals, like Ryan says, which, which, which is great. It, um, it's great, but you know, I just he, think that yeah, I, I I think he was a good player for Hearts. He Let's had that honest. one season where he was he was, I think what did he score 15 or yeah, really, when we first came up to the midfield. Premiership, um, yeah, under he Robbie. got fifteen goals that season, and yeah, he was he was terrific. Um, and the following season, I think he ended up going over to Wigan in the end. Didn't quite work out. Peterborough didn't quite work out, and then he came back to Hearts. I, I think it's just difficult because I would say if you balance it between like every player who comes through, where does Jamie Walker sit? And he definitely oh, sits in the upper percentages of it. Yeah, definitely. And you think about promise, because, you know, if you talk about promise of players, and some players end up not even making it in the game at all, not even making it as a professional. You know, they get the leave hearts and they, they're they never heard of again and they mm -hmm. end up in non-league or semi-professional. So I, I think it's hard. Yes, you could say Jamie Walker had more potential than maybe was realised, but I reckon if you did a... If you manage to do like, and I know there's no scientific way of doing it, but if you manage to do that kind of that kind of survey of footballers across the board, how many reach their potential? Then I think it'd be a tiny percentage of them. Yeah, you you know, last week you were talking about homework, and we didn't really come up with it. I think we might have stumbled upon something. We can either do it for next week or, or whatever. Players that had high hopes and high expectations, both personally and and from from the club that maybe didn't quite reach where they should be because Hearts had a player in 2010-2011 who was nominated for PFA Player of the Year. That player spent that player spent a lot of 2016 without a club. And he was still in his in his 20s. He he had the ability, you think, to to do whatever. So which player who scored a famous goal for Hearts in Europe was nominated or PFA Player of the Year in 2010-2011, but his career never really got any higher than that after he left Pancastle in 2012. Who was it? Uh, I don't know who it is. Do you know that? Um, I don't think I took that in properly. Go and tell us, Ryan. <laughs> Temps. Yeah, David Templeton. What, what could Temps have been? I mean, on his day, yeah, pr practically unstoppable. Uh, Very I don't similar. Think he was suffered with injuries as well, though, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Just... Well, did, did, he, did he win, like, 
young player of the month, like two or three months in a row in the sort of 2010-11 season. Is that when, when you're not? When, he's up for, yeah, when yeah. you're nominated for PFA Player of the Year, yeah, the, the likelihood is you've won at least one monthly award. Yeah. It was it was Hearts fans Player of the Year that year, and his last goal for Hearts came at Anfield against Liverpool, and and some some supporters still haven't recovered um, with the bruises on their legs that's still <laughs> there <laughs> from that. But it's just the the difference between success, and I'm not calling it failure. Hmm. Success and ultimate success, rather than success failure, but success and and ultimate success. Yeah, I don't it, think it, it's as it's yeah. as big as people it, think. It's a it's it, a bit it, of luck. Yeah. It's an injury. It's whatever. Also comes down to what you class as a successful career. Of course, you know, can you make a living out of the game for a ten year period? It's difficult. It's just like that's super hard to do. So for Hearts young players, like what would be successful from a Hearts point of view for those young players to play 50-plus games for the first team, to be sold for money, to, you know, there's probably, what, 10, in the last 15 years, how many sort of Hearts Academy graduates, for example, have been sold for money? Mm-hmm. That, you know, no, albeit that's, that's, the six, that's success, whether where they go to after that, I'm, I'm not too sure, but... That's probably something that if you're looking at it from afar is where they probably have to be better at is getting players into the first team who not only do well, but do well enough that they can then bring in a transfer fee for the club. And then it just starts over and over again. I I think a nice way to tie all all this up and, and still kind of look to the future and also get your viewpoint here. And for, Forgive me if you think I'm putting you on the spot, but there's a young guy at Hearts right now who came on loan called Garan Kuhl, who came on loan in January. Now, he his his rise has been absolutely meteoric. Laurie and I speak about it every week, how, how he's, he started so few games in, in the A-League in Australia he was included in Graham Arnold's squad. He came on against the Netherlands. He had that chance um, that, that was saved. And now it was all bells and whistles when he signed for Hearts. I mean, it was like the second coming. Mm-hmm. However, the, the big question now, and it's impossible to look into the future, he's not played that much. And there's obviously a reason for that. It's not because he's out of favour or whatever. It seems like from the people, not you, but others you speak to, is like, not sure if he's ready yet. Do you think Garan Kuhl has a successful footballing career based on the way it started? I think he'll make a living out of the game. Do I think he will play for Newcastle in the next two seasons? No. Do I think Newcastle think he'll play for Newcastle in the next two seasons? No. But I do think that they see potential there. And and that's what it comes... That's the gamble with young players all over the world is how do you get that sort of superstar from 17 to 20? Mm-hmm. To, Newcastle can afford to gamble, can't they? I mean, yeah. big clubs can, That's the thing. They? They How much of a gamble is it? To a 22-year-old that can then go on and take on the world, you know? that That's the like a million-dollar question, and that's why you see all of these big, big clubs spending so much money on recruitment and mm-hmm. having scouts and, and getting all these players off the world because at the very, very top, if you can get a superstar, 
they can bring in what you know especially down in the Premier League you can get 60, 70, 80 million and all of a sudden everyone's like yeah well that's just paid for the mm-hmm. 60 other guys that we took a gamble on you only kind of need yeah. one whereas as you get filtered down to the leagues Hearts don't have that big of a pool to, to yeah, try and do tough. it so they have to they have to make more of a educated guess and they need to put probably more time and sort of resources and effort into you know shaping these younger players into getting transferred fees yeah. and, and filtering that back into the club it's um a lot of these big clubs and um, it was uh, i was speaking to it was rob borthwick who mentioned like it said it's like flipping houses for for a lot of these clubs and we we're talking about i think it was Meshino we were talking about who obviously hearts loaned from man city he was never ever gonna no. break into the Man City team. He was what he's like what twenty one at that point already. Um but they invest in these players and it's like, well, you're not necessarily gonna break into your team. Uh, even if Garan Cool doesn't break into the Newcastle team, they'll be hoping well they'll buy him, they'll develop him a bit and hopefully they'll sell him for maybe something. Yeah. Maybe two million quid to an English championship team or something at some point. So I think you it's only like, hit what, the jackpot once. Yeah, yeah so a lot of these clubs are just yeah, investing in these opportunities. Yeah. Aaron Moy was at Melbourne City and Man City bought him. That's right. And sent him out on loan to Huddersfield originally. And he did really, really well there. Got him promoted. He had a season there. Then who bought him? Uh, was Brighton. it Bright- Brighton, wasn't it? Brighton so, I mean, I mean, the- 20-odd million for him. You know, These clubs so can invest in the... Man City got you know, 20 million for a player that yeah. didn't play for him. Which is incredible when you think about Scottish, it. Like yeah, Scottish clubs can't do that. You don't have the, you can't risk even, you know, a few hundred grand on these players. You don't have necessarily the scouting networks or the draw of a club of that size to do that. So I guess it's a bit different. But no, it's it's interesting. I think to round off, I think it's um it's been interesting to cover that, and I think that's a good homework question. So let us know the players, um, the players with promise who didn't quite fulfill it or didn't maybe fulfill it at all um who did you who did you really like the look of when they broke into the hearts team you thought they could be they could go but they could go far they could be a real player and either maybe they just disappeared completely or they just didn't quite fulfill the promise so let us know at around the funnel or you can email podcast at scarves around the funnel dot co dot uk i'd be the opposite of that <laughs> Who's players that you've seen that are never, never going to make it, and all of a yeah. sudden they're still kicking well, about? You can you can let us know about them as well because sometimes it's um, application trumps the the initial promise, doesn't it? I anyway. think he was hoping that pause would lead to a perfect break, and then he could restart again yeah, with another. He did, but it's it's fine. I'm looking forward now to how he's how he gets on in his restart, done, sir. Because he's he's been a five and a half out of ten so far, so this could be exciting. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and yeah. McDonald Signs, the Edinburgh company who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Since the 1950s. That right? That better? That was outstanding. Am I a six now? No, oh, that was a Ryan, six and a half, half or seven. Okay. Six well, and okay, half, I'm seven. equal in Ryan's first half friendly performance on Friday. Just, ju- just remember, for every Ricardo Fuller, there's a Michael in goo. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like a, a Neil McFarlane, you know, like a solid, um, no-nonsense, gets the job done, no fools. 
don't you? I'm just, not. Uh, I was trying to compare myself to him. You know, I'm getting the job done. I mean, it's not it's not fancy, but it's gets it done. Anyway, um, right before we speak about Celtic, let's quickly do a, a very brief quiz. The six questions I managed to throw together before, um, before Callum was crying and interrupted. So, oh, so you're, um, you're blaming the baby? Unbelievable scenes. I know it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. Oh. Um, right. So these are Hearts wins against Celtic. Let's um, let's not make it. Do you want to make it competitive? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. There we go. Oh, he's play, against he's me and Mark. Play. Well, it has to be between so. you and Mark because then the answers. answers. Uh. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's just do it then. We'll just we'll just go. We'll go as a team. We'll go as a team. We'll go as a team. Oh, because oh, right, okay. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm, I'd rather go as a team because the likelihood is that Ryan's probably played in some of these, and if they happened after 2010, well, I don't yeah. Care. The first five were kind of at least since Ryan played at Hearts, so either during his time or since he's left. So I try not to go anything older than that. Uh, right, okay. Do you want to do question answers as they as we go, or do them afterwards? As we go, as we go. Okay. Hart's last win against Celtic came in the first game of last season. Which player made his competitive debut for the club in that game? So it's not just a league debut, but his first competitive game in any competition. Ryan, I'm first... thinking he's the midfielder. Mm. I'm thinking he's the midfielder who's been out injured probably since then. What do you think? Is it Benny Benningamy? Yes, it is. Oh. It's okay, one incredible one, one, from you. Straight in, signed from Everton on the Thursday, trained with his yes, new club that day. That. Yep. He made his debut 48 hours later at Tynecastle. scored, didn't he? Yeah. Benny Beningami started against Celtic, played the full 90 minutes in a man-of-the-match display in that 2-1 victory. And um, Stephen Aismith has confirmed both Benny Beningami and Liam Boyce could return what? before the end of this season. <gasps> yeah, he mentioned that. I don't know if they will. But he said there's a chance they are both training. That's good. So you never know. Okay, okay. question two. Hart's last win against Celtic that wasn't at Tynecastle took this is gonna have to be Ryan's oh, gonna definitely have to help with this one. Took place on the fifteenth of April twenty twelve. Yes. Obviously Ryan knows all about that. <laughs> now you will probably remember that before this game, there was a number of players who were on a yellow card who were um, one game away from suspension <laughs> in the final. So, Manny Saliukas, Rudy Scatchel, Andy Driver, Darren Barr, Danny Granger, Scott Robinson, David Templeton, Suso Santana, wow. and, and Jordan Morton. Remember him? Ooh. Jordan Morton? Mm-hmm. Was yeah. he a young lad? Yeah, yeah. played in the Auckland Leg game, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, they were all one yellow away from suspension in the final. So, none of those players could get booked or they would have missed the final. Somehow, None of them managed to get booked. They all managed to avoid going on the field, <laughs> off the field, I should say, to celebrate that goal. Two players were booked in that semi-final. Do you remember the two players that were booked? This, this is, is your guys. This you, is mainly right the because there's no way I would have remembered oh, it. Certainly the second on, one. Okay, so you, you played in the game. Now, one of them's obvious. Come on. Ian Black. No, one. Oh, that's the less obvious one. You know, well, the, obvious one, the obvious one's got to be Craig Beatty for taking his top. Yeah, off. yes. Yeah, Ian Black was the other one. Yeah, they're very well. Uh, Ian, oh. Black book, Ian Black got booked in the 21st minute for a foul on Joe Ledley. And of course, Craig Beatty got booked in injury time for taking out his, um, his uh, very. His moves. Um, well, <laughs> well chiseled chassis. <laughs> well chiseled chassis on his moves. That's uh, a difference. Yeah. 
So By the way, Jordan Morton, how many other players have we had whose surname has <laughs> been another one of the 42 league clubs? Because I don't recall oh. Billy East Fife playing for us, but Jordan Morton. Just a thought. Anyway, we had, a, we needed we, we had a Sterling at some point. A few Sterling surnames around. Anyway, let's with not an I or with an E. The yeah, sorry, that's a tangent. Now. You could get lost in that tangent. Right. No. Question three. The last time Hearts won back-to-back games against Celtic was in 2009. One in the League Cup and one in the League. Which player scored in both games? Well, it's got to be Michael Stewart because he was the last player to score for Hearts at Celtic yeah. Park, the winner, wasn't it? Yeah, well Did he, very did he also score? So he scored. Ooh. When was the next time we played them? He scored penalty Celtic Park in the League Cup quarter for October 2009. Yeah. Um, that was a different League Cup game. That was the 2-0 win before that. Um, and then Michael Stewart scored another penalty at Tynecastle less than two months later, December 2009, a 2-1 win. Hold on, hold on. We got penalties in back-to-back games against Celtic. Mm, crazy. Wow. I think the, I think Gary Colbert got sent off in the second Never got game one as well. Since. Yeah, was that the last time we got one? No, we uh, couldn't. Well, apart from beating up, BT scored a penalty. That you and Norris gave in the game that you played. In fact, did Stephen McManus get sent off in there? Is that the one that Ishmael Buzid scored? Yeah, he scored in the second one. Um, So, Stephen McManus, I think Celtic got red cards in both. Celtic got sendings off in both those games as well. Yeah. Someone must have lost the leg. (laughs) Crazy times. Chainsaw. Crazy times. Possible yellow here. (laughs) Willie, so Craig. Well, Craig Thompson was the referee in the first game, so well, well he loves us, obviously. Yes. Um, but Willie oh, Collin was the referee in the second one. Was he? he must have not been feeling well. Anyway, really? question like four. The, like the weekend. Hearts yes. defeated Celtic 4-0 in December 2017, ending yes. an unbeaten oh. domestic run of how oh, many games? Six, 69? 68 or 69? Um, what's your favourite number, Ryan? Is it 68 <laughs> or 69? Big 69 fan. 69ers, yes. Um, <laughs> it was 69 games undefeated domestically until they came to Tynecastle at day. Uh, somehow. Right. somehow. Um, question five. That 4 0 win mm-hmm. was Hart's biggest win over Celtic since when? Now, I'll give you, I'll give you three options because I don't what? know if you know the year off the top of your head. So, A, 1972. B, 1927, or C, 1895? That is... Surely it's not fucking that long. The first one, 70s. It's not... You think? No, it's not the first one. It's one of the early ones. It's one of the... I'm going to go for the earliest one. 18 Canteen. 1895 is correct. Is it really? Biggest and I and I told I, I told Crocker and Andy Walker this um, I checked this out uh during the game I managed to get on London Hearts and scroll and thankfully there's so few wins against Celtic you can actually see it quite clearly when you're scrolling. So five nil win in September eighteen ninety five at Celtic Park, which Away? was Celtic, wow. which was Celtic's biggest home defeat until it was equalled by Paris Saint Germain in September twenty seventeen. Really? Well, that's what my sources say. So oh, that's good. If, if Davy Allen's listening, I'm sure he'll confirm. I'm say, Davey Allen, I think 
I think Bill Smith was at that game, was he not? One of the hearts of stories <laughs> in 1895. Uh, probably was. David Speed so, and Bill Smith. Let's go. That's, that's five, there you go. Five questions. Well done. Yeah, well done, Mark. Well done, you, Ryan. You're better than... Oh, you, got, hey, you got the hardest. The hardest one there was the Ian Black one. Do you remember it? No. I remember he went off. I remember he was fucking raging. He went off. Was he? Mm, that was a fuck, that was a great game that but oh, when you look back on it Jesus hell of a night out afterwards I can imagine the night out but during the game what are you what, it's, it's easy to look back on now what are you thinking because we're all thinking like because Hibs had already secured their Hibs spot one on the Saturday yeah on the Saturday and you're thinking about well, a Hibs yeah, I remember we just going like, well, whoever wins will win the final. It was a half-time like, team talk because it was no no, wasn't it? Yeah, just like, it's kind of similar to like any time you play Celtic or Rangers. It's like the longer you stay in the game, the more opportunity, the more chance you've got. Um, and we had kind of, I think I spoke about it before, we kind of had a game plan where it was like poor little rubber was always going to kind of come off at half-time. Um... Because he was playing, I think he was playing in front of me, and Beats was going to come on. I'm sure it was. He was always going to come off at half time if it was what? No, no. If it was no, nil, yeah. If it was close, really? that was the kind of game plan was to keep it in there. And then we had Beatty as a kind of because at that time I think it was a little bit of a not a shock as such that Beatty didn't start, but he'd done relatively well with us when he had first come in and he scored on his debut and scored another couple of goals. So everyone was kind of like half expecting him to play, but. Paolo was a bit like, if we can get to sort of half-time, nil-nil, or still be in the game, then be able to change the game within the game, it's a lot harder for Celtic to then adapt to that. And it, and obviously, like, it gives us something to hold on to, blah, blah, blah. But it, I'm pretty sure, like, start of the second half, we scored. No. For, for, it was quite for early, was it? Off the top of my head? 40... Laurie's asleep. Dunsar. It would have been early. Dunsar. What are you asking me? I was trying to wait for you guys to run out of steam so I could move on. No, it was early. What? It was early in the second half when we scored. Did you, Look on did you commentate on that one, or was that just before you? Twenty twelve. No, I was. I it was, was cool. I was drunk in the West End. Yeah. Who was the hard I remember thinking. I remember thinking. Fuck, we scored too early. I remember thinking that, like, oh, shit, we've still got another 40 minutes and a few dodgy penalty calls to get through before we but, By the way, the gut punch was Gary Hooper's goal late on. It, it was reminiscent oh. of when, when Celtic... Know, someone, someone should have stopped that cross, surely, though. I know. <laughs> Celtic... <laughs> Celtic did that to us in 88. He was offside. Yeah. Uh, he was. He was. He scored late and then just thinking, Jesus God. By the way, if VAR had been in operation that day, we would never have got a penalty. No, it was never. Been, it would have never been one-one. It would have been. It would have been one-nil. VAR was in operation. Would finish one-nil. Was Hooper offside? Yeah. So we just said. Don't you yes. start and come in here and go. You just spend. <laughs> you just, oh. Yeah, he's right. offside. Uh, right, I remember yeah. thinking that. I'll let this cross go in because he's surely offside. Yeah. I, I remember Beatty just scoring, fucking chasing the big bastard for all the way wrong. And then I remember being like, oh, shit, there's still like, I remember being like, 
knackered <laughs> and trying to catch my breath and then just being like, shit, there's still like fucking probably five more minutes to go. Just trying to clear everything out the block. Webby just shouting in my ear. I could hardly breathe. I just remember thinking, oh my God, we're going to beat him. We're going to beat him. I'm going to get so drunk tonight. And then, yeah, we just held on. Fuck, what a win. And everyone was buzzing. I've told this story before. In the change rooms, like everyone was going wild. Just being like, what a win. Like no one gave us any chance of winning that. And then Lockie was just sitting in the corner going, boys, we've got fucking hearts. Uh, we've got hips in the final. Like fucking cannot lose that game. <laughs> and Paolo being like, don't worry. Like we've got a lot of important games between now and then. And Lockie's like, no, we don't. This is the biggest game of our lives. <laughs> it's coming up. You just need to do everything you can to be ready for that game. He's like, we could lose every game. I remember him saying, we could lose every game between that semi-final and final and not one person would care or remember as yeah. long as we win that final. You could let Gary Hooper score five goals in a game against you and no one's going to remember it. Yeah. That was a week before. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Scored five. Ah, oh, good times. Good times indeed. But hopefully there's some more good times ahead and I can then move on and we can, we can reminisce some more. Maybe next time. <laughs> right, before we go, we'll have to very briefly talk about Hearts against Celtic, which uh, will take place on Sunday afternoon. Celtic with a chance to secure another title. Um, how enthralling it is that they're winning uh, yet another one. Uh, unbeaten in 33 domestic games, winning 30 of those against the Hearts side who have lost 17 of their last 18 meetings. And this is the real kicker, Ryan. Since that semi-final win, Hearts have won three out of 42 meetings against Celtic, losing 37 of those 42. So oh, you've seen... Sammy Downer. I know, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm setting up the downer. To, I don't want to say Ryan. it since I left, but... So, very, very briefly, you've seen Celtic plenty this season. You've played against them. You've seen Hearts this season. You've played against them. Um, how do Hearts go about going out there and winning this game? Because realistically, if they've got any slim chance of, of trying to get third back, they probably need to go out there and get a result. How, how do they do it? By believing they can win. It's a good start. Been set out to win the game. I remember we doing... Sky, I did Sky for the game Celtic won 4-3. Yeah. Yep. Was that the John Hartson one when he was saying that the world's against Celtic? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Settle down, John. There you go. Um, yeah. And I remember being like impressed with how Hart set up. Like They were right on the front foot. They were attacking Celtic. They had goal threat. They got boys in the box. I think Cammy won a couple of penalties. Like That's what you need. You need like, boys in the box putting Celtic under pressure especially at Tynecastle, because it makes such a difference for everyone that's um, that's there, you know, supporting it. But if you see Hearts on the front foot and playing attacking style, you know, the crowd gets up for it. They're not just like, oh, here we go again type thing. So um, you, you need to be aggressive at the right times, but you're also, like I kind of touched on with that semi-final, is stay in the game. You know, there's, there's nothing more deflating than when... Celtic come to Tynecastle and I've been involved in games and it's like they score after four or five minutes and you can just feel the energy just getting sucked out of everybody. Whereas if you start on the front foot, it, you know, you're on top of them and, and then they obviously then have their little 
attacking spell, don't concede in that attacking spell. You know, show that you've got a little bit of resilience about you. Get the fans on side, and um, you know, historically, if you look back on any time that you know, sort of Hearts have beat Celtic, there is that kind of pattern of you know not letting them score early, getting the first goal, getting the crowd behind you, playing on the front foot, and um, yeah, it, it, you could also say it's probably a pretty good time to play Celtic if there is such a good time to play them. You know, buzzing like after beating leagues. Rangers in the Scottish Cup and with <laughs> yeah. one, one we needed to win the league. Sounds like a yeah, great time. Yeah, but then they've also got there's like another derby the week afterwards that they could obviously still win throw the this there. just so they can win the derby. Win the no, league not Rangers. no, not throw it. But you you do get what I'm saying. They, they've had this massive high of beating Rangers to possibly get the treble now, which is what realistically they're going to do you could if there is going to be a game that they're going to tail down it probably would be this one no mm. I, I, I like your wishful thinking i mean i, I can't is say wishful I, thinking? I think it's very wishful thinking mark um same team starting at ross county same again yes yes are you predicting nil nil yes i think we'll get pumped nil nil <laughs> Okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do something as well. I'm gonna predict a realistic scoreline. I think we'll lose three one. I think we'll per, give a good account of ourselves. Yutaro Oda is gonna get oh, a goal that he whoa, richly whoa. deserves. Um we'll maybe even level, maybe even go ahead, but no, no, I think no. stop this. Stop this. Reverse hex only work with one. Once you double a reverse hex, it just becomes a hex again. Yeah, but you're you're predicting nil nil. That's a pretty good result. I, <laughs> yeah, take that. but I predicted yeah. I predicted nil nil and we won six one. So well, I don't. Th- I don't think we'll we'll score six. I'll leave it there. Okay, Ryan. I'm gonna go one one. One one. Who's gonna score for Hearts? Shanklin. Shanklin. Okay. Callum well, McGregor own goal. I hope I'm. I, I hope I'm very wrong. Um, whatever happens, we'll be back to discuss the game. You, you confident for your game, Ryan? Dundee United, big match. Yeah, big game. Big game. Good to get him. Come on, to get him at home. Yeah, good to get them at home. Good to get them early. I think it'll be a big crowd, which is good. Not that Sky's interested, but um, <laughs> yeah, it should be a good game. Teesside Derby. It's the Radio T Derby. Yeah, no, it'd be good. I think they've sold out their allocation. We've got nice. pretty good ticket sales for that. And it's one of those ones that, especially for us, I think we're two points ahead of them. So you win that game, you go five points ahead of them. Hope a few results go your way. Four games remaining, you're in a relatively good position. If the worst case comes and you, and you do lose, you've still got some time to, to pick up some points. So, um, yeah, good to have them at home and uh, one that we're pretty confident going into. Heart Saints double. There we go. Heart yeah. Saints double, yeah. Good luck with that one, Ryan. Hopefully it's uh, a big win for St. Johnson on Saturday and a big win for Hearts on Sunday. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch, you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or you can tweet us at Around the Funnel. Until then... Thanks for tuning in. The kids are all right. The kids are all right.